What's up, disc golfers? Joe here with Joe's Disc Golf, and things are a little different here. If you might notice, if you happen to be watching the live version and you watch me just smack the crap out of my microphone, I apologize, especially for those listening. But uh, yes, things have changed here. My boom stand is now coming over my right shoulder instead of my left. I mean, it is big, big, big changes here at Joe's Disc Golf. Got the sweet sign, you know, welcome to reality. We got the Joe's Disc Golf sign right behind me there. The microphone should now be out of me, out of me way. Ah, oh, Jesus, I've been going Irish now. Ah, oh, yes, it's been three months since you've had a Joe's Disc Golf podcast grace your ears torture your ears i don't you know a little bit of everything here little bit of everything here but before we get too far into it well first what are we talking about wow i am a little bit rusty wr jackson got bugged yep it is bad news bears there we're going to talk a little bit of mvp open because you know better late than never and finally we're also going to talk about Kristen Tatar and some and USWDGC and uh, the Grand Salami, the Great Bambino, the Great Bambi, as well as, well, Paul Macbeth finally tweets after months of nothing on Twitter X, X Twitter, the site formerly known as Twitter, but still is kind of Twitter. But you could also go to X.com that redirects you to Twitter. So. I don't know, but we got to talk about sponsors here. We got to talk about sponsors, got to pay the bills, got to keep the lights on, and I got to adjust myself so I make sure that I'm still in the camera in frame here. Like I said, things are a little bit different. I'm, yeah, there's there's things going on here. First off, log, what rolls downstairs? A loner in pairs rolls over your neighbor's dog. What's great for a snack and it fits on your back? It's log, log, log. It's big, it's heavy, it's wood. It's better than bad, it's good. You're going to love it, log. Come on and get your log. Everyone gets a log. Log from Blamo. Hashtag not a real sponsor. But you know who is a real sponsor that doesn't quite sound like a real sponsor? That is the newest member here. It's coffee. Hopefully you like coffee. Because if not, well, you might not like coffee brand coffee. That's right. Coffee brand coffee. Delicious stuff here. Uh managed to get into the program there so if you guys are interested in checking out coffee brand coffee they have a whole bunch of good stuff they got some fall flavors out right now including uh their spiked jack-o-lantern and what i still have on the way which is pumpkin pie oh my gosh i am a huge 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 pumpkin pie fan so i can't wait to try that one i haven't tried the spike jack lantern yet but i am excited for that one as well as the dark roast this is the number four roast delicious so good if you like dark coffee if you like other things like lighter roasts they have those too on top they also have tea you can get some delicious teas there. I'm not a huge tea drinker, so I'm a little out of my depth, but one that caught my eye was the gunpowder green tea. It is an organic green tea with extra heavy-duty caffeine. Yes, or if nothing else, it is getting to that time of the year, at least in the northern hemisphere where you probably want some hot chocolate. You want some hot cocoa? Well, they've got hot cocoa too, and I'm excited to try their uh, marshmallow flavored hot cocoa it is it sounds very delicious they also have a velvety velvet tea hot cocoa words are hard and rich caramel so if you like that caramel taste go ahead and check that out you can follow them find them in the link in the description below use code jdg that is j as in joe d is in d disc and g is in golf jdg for 10 percent off your order there we go we got everything oh i forgot they have over four thousand reviews that are four star plus four and five star reviews it's it's delicious i really do like it uh it's good stuff go ahead check them out everything is roasted fresh so it takes a little bit longer to get your order but fresh roasted so you know you get that. It's a little moving. It's a little grooving. Takes you, you know, it, I, I put in an order on, let's see, when did I put that order in? 
uh, close to a week ago, and it showed up today. It was maybe five or six days, so not too bad in my opinion. The pumpkin spice, or well, the pumpkin pie and spiked jack-o'-lantern are only around until supplies run out. So if you are interested in that, I would hurry up and order that because, well, you're running out of time. Enough of the sponsorships here. We can no longer handle that. We have to talk about MVP. So quick recap here, just so everybody is on the same page. In the first round, the MVP open at Maple Hill. Maddie O and Ben Calloway took an early lead at eight under. Kevin Jones, one stroke off that with Bradley Williams, Eagle McMahon and Andrew Marweed and Luke Taylor at six down. Not bad shooting there in the second round. The winds definitely picked up. Conditions got a heck of a lot worse. Calvin Heinberg shot the impressive hot nine under to take the lead at 11 down overall. He bogeyed the last two holes to finish nine down. Otherwise, he was looking at setting himself up for a course record. Still good enough to lift him from 20th all the way up there. Kevin Jones kept his second place spot while Matteo Callaway and... Uh, Williams all slipped down the leaderboard. Hurricane Lee brought some harsher weather there for sure. Conditions for round three, not so great. Simon Lazat mastered the win better than most, shooting a six under to climb into a share of the lead with Heimberg at 15 down. Eagle McMahon managed to retain his top four spot. And Ricky Wysocki and Kevin Jones all lost theirs as Lazat and Ben Calloway moved their way up. On the back nine of the final, the back nine of the final round was the amazing. Go watch it. Go watch the Joe. Well, yeah, go watch the Jomez. Or well, he was on Chase Card. So would that be Central Coast or does Jomez? I forget. Jomez might have Chase Card as well. He birdied six in a row, 13 through 17, giving him a huge five-stroke lead and sealed the deal. His first win in 20 years. 20 years. He managed to do it. On the FPO side, not quite as exciting. Still good. Don't get me wrong. Still worth the watch. Go watch the Joe Meza that. It's still pretty good. The FPO side, Evelina Haley King led after round one. Kristen Tatar. Took the lead in round two and three, but struggled on hole seven and eight. Owen Scoggins stayed steady in the brutal wins in round three, while everybody else kind of slipped back. In the final round, Tatar led again early, but some late mistakes opened the door for Haley King to capitalize on this, and capitalize she did, proving that once again, the only person that can beat Kristen Tatar is Kristen Tatar. Not that I want to take away anything from Haley King, but it was Kristen Tatar who kind of opened the door and left it open there for anyone, in this case, Haley, to walk through, and she walked through. Haley did have to, Haley King did have to go ahead and take some initiative there and push to be able to get that. So there was a little bit there. The, uh... What was what was more exciting though, and and not to take away from FPO, it was exciting to see someone not named Kristen Tatar win with Kristen Tatar in the field. Uh, shout out Sayananda from way back in what was that June or so when she beat Kristen Tatar at I believe was that Jonesboro? That was that was a while ago, um, but it was it was so crazy. It was absolutely insane that Matteo was finally able to win it. Sorry if I'm looking down here and it's distracting some of you people watching, but uh, I've got the, I've got the laptop with all of my notes on it there. So I can still kind of, you know, look at, look at your beautiful face. Look at your handsome face. Isn't that an amazing face there? So beautiful. It was kind of surprising to see Kristen Tatar give these errors uh she usually is really really consistent on the course and plays a more conservative round of golf generally speaking where she plays really good and really really consistent however 
she doesn't generally make mistakes because she doesn't push too hard. And she pushes when she has to. That's clear. She does. I'm not saying that she doesn't try. What I'm saying is her style of golf is to let everybody else make the mistakes. This has been pointed out by dozens of commentators out there, by dozens of people out there. And this time, Haley King took a note out of Kristen Tatar's book and was like, hey, why don't I try that and see what happens? What's the worst that happens? I still end up second to Kristen Tatar, who's having probably one of the greatest seasons ever in FPO or not. I don't know. And then we see what happens, holes 15 through 17, where it just kind of falls apart a little bit there where you're getting a little bit of Champions Cup vibes, but at the same time, this tournament, while important, don't get me wrong, meant nothing to Kristen. Because, not saying that she doesn't want to win, but winning here changes nothing in her standings in the Pro Tour Championship, the Pro Tour Finale. Nothing changed there. This win, while it would have been great, is just another, you know, notch in the lipstick case, so to speak. It's it it wasn't anything too crazy for her. But hey, you know what? It is what it is. And I think it was a fantastic time. Uh the windy conditions, I thought it was fairly interesting that everybody had to go out and play in all this wind. And then we have all the issues of you know, they called it Right before lead card tees off, there were issues with that. There was a two-hour wind delay. And then when everybody came back out onto the course, there were reports that it was windier than when it started. So that makes it kind of tough. And, you know, that's just no fun because, well, yeah. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened here? Okay, there we go. Sorry. Um, for some reason, audio, audio is working. Audio is working. That's good. That is very, very good. Um, so sorry, lost my train of thought there. For some reason, the audio is going bonkers here. So please bear with me for a moment while I try to sort out something, at least on my end. And let's go ahead and do that, and that, and that, and this, and that, and ta-da, ta uh-oh, I lost it, I lost the screen here, oh no, things are, things are not going as good as I'd hoped. There we go. Okay. Sorry about that, everybody. Okay. There we go. We are, we're back with it potentially. And there we go. All right. So back to this here with the wind delay, a little kind of crazy there, but overall, um, uh, it's hard to tell. It's, I, I think the timing was a little bit suspicious considering how windy it was all day. And then the wind after they said it was okay to play was just as bad, if not worse. So yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of something there, but I don't know. I'm not in charge of that. I don't make up the policies here. Maybe somebody will, you know, kind of look into this, maybe come up with some better criteria. Apparently the, the current policy is to, you know, somebody can go out and, and text Seth Muncy and just be like, yo, it's windy. Branches almost fell on someone, dog. And that's about it. And they'll come out, they'll assess the situation and that's it. And they'll see, they'll make a determination. There's no hard and fast. This is what this is what it needs to be. This is what it is. It's, uh, which is frustrating and slightly confusing that they don't have something in place there where you can just say like, Hey, this is it. This is what we've got to do and 
go from there. But uh, whatever. It's I guess it's not as easy as say like um whoops. It's not as easy as say lightning where it's like oh hey by the way lightning is x amount of miles away this is when the last strike was this is when it is it's pretty cut and dry when that happens so we'll see we'll see if there are any changes from that uh O ended up getting interviewed on the tour life we're moving on to our next section here da 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 da, da. yeah O interviewed on tour life with Brody and Yuli. I get it. Brody is a polarizing figure. I understand that. However, I challenge you to go ahead and listen to it. I'll have a link in the description below, but I highly recommend you go out and watch this one or listen to it. Just listen to the Matteo section. I swear he is a breath of fresh air because he just tells you what he thinks there's no pr spin there's no thinking about it if he said this looks like baloney then guess what it's baloney if it looks like you know if it's great he'll tell you it's great if it's crap he'll tell you it's crap and it's kind of awesome so Medio recently joined the tour life podcast after his big win at the 2023 mvp open his first elite series ever, ever, anything. He's been playing for a very long time here, over 20 years, and has not won on tour. Matty has been a, Matty has been a professional disc golfer for a long time. They talk about the origination of his nickname. It came from his dad. They called him Jimbo, and he was Matto, and then eventually it turned into Matteo, and he says that he doesn't mind it. Uh, regarding the MVP Open, Matteo understands the controversial wind delay during round three was for safety, though it was frustrating, and that is definitely... Uh, I, that seems to be the consensus across the board here is that most of the pros, at least the reasonable ones, understood that it was for safety and it can still be frustrating. If it was a lightning delay, it would still be the same thing. Frustrating, but understanding it's for safety. He noted that hole four was the shortest, scariest hole where players employed various strategies on the tricky hole and only 25 people and of uh it, it, he said it's probably the hardest par three on tour only 25 people ended up cashing which sounds pretty crazy when you've got people like i don't know chris dickerson not making the cut chris freaking dickerson was not did not make the cut he did not get cash. Uh, there have been tons of things. He um, reflected on the fact that about 10 years ago, he could have shaken this way earlier, or it would have been longer than that at the Vibram Open, or well, the very first MVP Open. He could have won, but he came down to a playoff, or came down to the final stretch with Nico. Didn't go so well. And that is that. He is most excited about all of the stuff that has happened in the post-COVID disc golf, as I would like to call the modern era, and believes that the high purses uh, from winning are helping to attract player and makes the sport appear more legitimate. Not that it wasn't before, but with low purses, uh, relatively low levels of competition, it really didn't make sense. And now that you've got things like worlds with purses that are massive absolutely massive giving out these huge huge checks to all the different players it is fantastic to see that it is absolutely fan freaking tastic so he also talked about his putting style which is if you've never really paid that much attention to it it is highly interesting he's got this weird anheuser flick 
thing that he does, it goes in, so who cares? And he just, it, it works for him. Uh, he's developed it through a combination of copying other players and kind of a natural, he copied other players for a while, that didn't work, and then he kind of figured out what worked for him, finding his natural. My opinion on most of this is, when it comes to putting, is what feels good. Now, I honestly have never looked at anyone's putting style and went, I want to do that. What works for me is having uh, basically a flat release, gripping it with my finger kind of hooked over the top, and let's see if I... All right, we've got a visual aid, even though this is completely sacrilege. This is uh, a non-beaded putter, which should, yeah, any which who. So I kind of grab it, fan-ish grip, finger resting on the bead. It gives a nice little shelf there. I curl my wrist all the way so the disc is touching my forearm. And then I give a nice pop, pushing off the fingers releasing my hand wide open, like I'm trying to reach out and almost shake hands with the basket. And with that, I get a nice, clean, consistent release. I'm a spin putter because it is windy up here. I've been told that my putt looks kind of like a Frankenstein, Macbeth Climo type mix, and I've never watched Climo putt. I've only watched Macbeth putt in tournaments so but never with the intent of breaking down his form or looking at anything like that so what i suggest in my opinion is sure you can kind of copy it give it a little bit of time but if it doesn't feel right try just grabbing the disc going 10 feet back and throw it and see what happens naturally and because at this point in disc golf there is no real proper correct form now if you have a similar body type as paul Macbeth or eagle mcmahon or simon lazat or gannon burr or somebody like that maybe look at them and try to go okay well clearly i am not a six foot scrawny giant like gannon burr or eagle mcmahon i am more of a drew gibson paul Macbeth, shorter stockier fit kind of person so if i'm going to follow what they do in terms of their backhand form that would make a little more sense to see what they do to get their body in the right position where some of my other friends who are over six feet tall and kind of lanky would benefit from watching someone with a build very similar again there is not a huge amount of research out there like there, there is no research out there really but um, that's kind of where that is, and, and in my opinion, that's kind of where, where things need to go with that, is, is you need to find what feels right, especially for putting, and then for, say, backhands, not necessarily emulate totally, say, Paul Macbeth or Ricky Wysocki, but look at what their form is and go, okay, my body is closer to Paul or Ricky, so I should probably kind of look at what they're doing and see what they're doing at, at certain times. So this would be pretty great to, to go. And we're back, <laughs> basically. We're back. Oh, lots and lots of fun here. I, I've missed doing this. This has been a blast. It has been far too long since this has happened. I get it that what is going the stream okay now uh the things i don't miss youtube yelling at me about my bitrate even though it's an excellent connection and it's within their settings that they told me that it's supposed to... uh, youtube i love you never change But moving on, Kristen Tatar wins USWDGC, has the career Grand Slam already in the bag, 
and now has the season grand slam. She made history in 2023 by becoming the first FPO player to complete the disc golf grand slam winning all four majors in one season with USWDGC being the most recent where she battled from behind to take the lead after round three and end up winning by three strokes. Tatar's win at the USWDGC capped off a dominant year in which she also won Champions Cup, the European Open, and the World Championships. Before 2022, the FPO division did not have four consistent majors, so this is an amazing feat for her to capture all four majors. However, other competitors didn't often have that chance. Occasionally there were four majors, majors, sometimes there were five. A lot of times there was only two, maybe three, and at the beginning there was only one and that was Worlds. But that was also back when nobody had more than one major in disc golf, but we will ignore that for part. Uh past players like Juliana Corver, Des Redding, and Valerie Jenkins paved the way by dominating the available majors in their eras. Tatar is now pursuing as what I like to call the Super Slam. And welcome to the jam by attempting to win two more events. That would be the Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Championship, which is not a major, but it might as well be a major, and the Disc Golf Pro Tour Finale Championship thing, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what they call it. I feel like they change the name every freaking year. Throughout all of USWDGC, Tatar overcame slow starts with precise putting. She was 94%, I believe, on the tournament as a whole, and only like 9 or 10% from Circle 2. However, this was a fairly wooded course, so 9 or 10% from Circle 2 isn't as bad as it sounds, considering likely most people in Circle 2 did not have a good look at the basket and attempting to putt from circle two through all the woods and everything would have ended poorly. So she was able to do that and she accomplished this. She, I, I do want to make sure that it has been noted by other commentators that Tatar has not been able to come back from more than a three stroke for more, uh, a three or more stroke deficit. And guess what she did this weekend? She managed to do that. Own Scoggins takes second, giving her kind of a, a little bit of a challenge there at the end until a couple bogeys and uh, poor time uh, putting there. But Own managed to still keep some pressure on for the beautiful final round that she had. This raises the bar for what is possible in women's disc golf. Her legacy will inspire future generations of female players to dream big. The sport, as the sport evolves, her Grand Slam symbolizes the boundless potential for achievement in FPO, which is true. Uh, what Kristen Tatar has done for women's disc golf this year is absolutely outstanding. I mean, look at her dominance. She goes into a tournament, I think, USWDGC. She ultimately did not win. But she had a win probability. It was probably one of her worst of the year at like 75%. That means the field taking the field had a one in four chance of succeeding. It did. Haley King played well. But taking Kristen Tatar was three out of four times who was going to win. And that was one of her worst by UDISC win probability statistics. I don't know how they totally calculate that. It's kind of a bit of voodoo magic. Woo. But yes, that's kind of how that is there. Kristen Tatar has just been on fire from 2022 through 2023. 2022 was the first real consistent time where someone could actually get the get all four, win the Grand Slam in one year. Now, as long as things continue to be consistent, where we've got Worlds, where we've got Champions Cup, where we're going to European Open every single year, where we've got USWDGC winning all four majors is possible. It is absolutely possible to get the 
grand slams. We'll see how long before somebody else does it. Can Kristen Tatar repeat? Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? I think it'd be really cool to have the first Grand Slam and the second Grand Slam be Kristen Tatar repeating. She's got the career Grand Slam. It is absolutely insane. It's just watching her play. She does not have crazy distance. She can throw far. Don't get me wrong. But I would not consider her to be the biggest thrower out there. Some of the biggest arms are people like Ella Hansen, Evelina Solonen, Hannah Blomroos, which Hannah fell apart on the putting green. She had she gave up, I think, about two strokes to the field when it comes to uh, on the green putting. You can't do that. Kristen had 13 strokes on the field. She gained 13 strokes compared to everybody else. That is absolutely bonkers. Her putting, I mean, 94%, you can't beat that. I mean, yes, technically you can, but 94% is absolutely ridiculous. Her putting has been good. Her putting at uh, MVP Open, not as great, but she, whatever was going on, it seems like MVP is kind of a mental block when it comes to Kristen Tatar and this, because this is the only, I believe Stat Mando put this out there, or was it PDGA Stats? put it out there that this was the only uh, tournament where Kristen has played multiple times but has yet to actually win it. She has won every other Elite Series event that has Elite and Major that has more than one time played there. So there are some like um, Clash at the Canyons. They've only gone once. I don't believe she won. It was. I think it's a great course. It's a fantastic course out there. Great event. Too bad it didn't work out for them. But hey, you know, it's fine. It is what it is. She's just absolutely going crazy. And we'll see what happens through the rest of the year. I'm really hoping that she can, throughout the rest of the year, finish what I'm calling the Super Slam. Or the Super Duper Grand Slam. I don't know. How about if she wins one of the next two? And that is throw pink or the DGPT finale. If she wins only one of those, it's the super slam. If she wins both of them, it's the super duper slam. That is it. Own Scoggins also can't forget to talk about her. Yes, this has been a lot about Kristen, but we can't forget Own. She has been phenomenal. She does not have the biggest arm out there. Not, I, she Again... Uh, it's not as big of an arm as, say, even Kristen, but she still can sling the disc pretty well. Her accuracy is phenomenal. Her putting is great. And it just seemed like this course, she couldn't quite get it done, still manages to finish really, really well. So well. <sighs> but you know what's frustrating here is... W.R. Jackson has been bugged. That's it. The Southern Pine Beetle has moved into W.R. Jackson, the Wildwood Park area. And unfortunately, there's like 130 acres that have to be clear cut. With 29 of those being basically W.R. Jackson, which is super unfortunate because that was a great course. Pros loved it. Oh, excuse me. Pros loved it. It was fun to watch out there. It was... Uh, it was just... Uh, it's just frustrating because it is a great course. It's John Howe course. Who knows if he'll be part of the whole uh, building, the new course, because sounds like there's some bad blood between him and the PDGA, and he might not be invited back despite being the designer of probably one of the best rated courses by the pros. I'm not like, I get it. MVP is number one in the world. I get that. But that's by all these, all the UDISC users. That's from people that go there. And honestly, yes, it looks fantastic. I've never played it. But it's one of those things where somebody tells you that this is the best. Then you're going to go there and go, yeah, this is really great. And rate it probably a little bit higher. 
Now, looking at the pros who play all these different wide variety of courses, he, uh, this one is consistently up there. W.R. Jackson is up there. And unfortunately, what they have to do is basically clear out all that wood, get rid of it because all those trees are dead. The pine beetle has just gone through and devastated the area, and there's nothing they could do. I mean, there's nothing. Nobody is faulting the PDGA. Nobody's faulting anything unless it was found that, I don't know, uh, Justin Manekeli brought the southern pine beetle in to destroy the course. I would be, I, I would almost believe that. But um, it, it's one of those things where, unfortunately, where some of the best disc golf is, is in the forest. And on and the way forests go, who knows how long they'll last. Hopefully for a very, very long time. But this gives a great opportunity to build a course. However, the PDGA, in their infinite wisdom, decided that they're going to move Champions Cup from April to Halloween and play it that weekend. No bueno there in my opinion, because then you've got everything there at the end. You've got uh, USDGC, you've got Throw Pink, you've got uh, DGPT Finale, and then you've got Champions Cup. Not to mention Worlds isn't that far behind. Idlewild, Ledgestone, D-Glow. Basically, the whole season doesn't matter. Uh, USWDGC, I believe, is in May or June, but Essentially, most of the season doesn't mean diddly squat until July, and that's when you can tune in. The whole spring, nobody's going to give a crap. What they need to do, and I think there's a loud enough outcry in this one, fortunately, is that the PDGA will go, oh, look at we're so benevolent, we're changing it back to the spring, and it's going to be at... Some different course. Now, listening to Griplocked, one of their people suggested that it get moved to Nevin and the DGPT championship get moved to new WR Jackson or whatever you whatever they're going to end up calling it. So that way, everything stays the same. They're down in the similar area, similar style course. Nobody's going to get mad that... It's at a different course because anyone with half a brain cell can see that this beetle came in and absolutely devastated everything. And there's nothing nothing you can do to, to stop that. There's nothing you can do to prevent that. It sucks. It does. Everybody agrees. And nobody's going to be upset. Like, Champions Cup was going to be at D-Glow. Everybody got mad at that, so you kept it at WR Jackson. So let's just, this time, go ahead, move it to, say, Nevin. Leave it there for just one year. And, and nobody's nobody's going to be upset about that because, like, hey, it's a good course. It's a really good course. And then you've got the DGPT Championship, Tour Championship, to go and play there in middle of October, late October at New WR Jackson. And that way you can get a tournament there that, yes, it means something. There's a huge check at the end, but it's not a major. It's not a, a massive tournament in that respect. And you can get the, the honest feedback that you need from the touring level pros to make changes for Champions Cup that will happen, what, five months later? Because October to April, six months later? So why not? Why not do it that way? It was a great idea. I wish I could say I came up with it. Shout out to that guy who listens to the disc golf uh, grip locked. And I, that's, that's one of the things there. Uh, moving over here, Jake has some comments. I haven't had a chance to read these because my screen is too far from me and I can't actually physically read them. Hey, hey, look at that. Now I can, uh, just cut up about your point on Dickerson MVP. He can also be the same for Isaac. Oh yeah. He was just the one that came to my, um, uh, came to the top of my head talking back about that, talking about MVP and people who didn't cash. It was the top 25. So there were going to be a lot of people that did not make. Did not make cash there. Uh, every disc golf course will be torn down eventually considering trees die and the lines change. Agreed. It's unfortunate. One of my favorite courses out here, Tillman Park, 
I, I mean, it's it's still relatively new, and I don't foresee anything happening yet, but you never know. We could get a massive storm through here, and it absolutely just devastates it. That can happen. First thing that comes to mind for Champions Cup is Thanksgiving planning, football, and disc golf. Yeah, so you've got, you've got Halloween, so that's going to be kind of a poop show right there. Halloween is going on. You're going to lose... A lot of your key demographic, which is college-age guys who are going to be partying quite hard at the Halloween parties there. And even your early 20-somethings. Me, as a dad in my 30-somethings, will be... Well, I'll probably be at work. And then I'll be taking my daughter out trick-or-treating. So I might be able to get some. Uh, some disc golf viewing in. It's just so late there that I'd rather be watching. That's when things are really ramping up for... College football, you're getting close to the playoffs there. You got the Bears to disappoint you again, or do they meet your expectation when they suck a lot? They suck so bad. I'm a Bears fan, but God, they suck. So you've got that going on. Hockey recently started. So in my mind, I'm like, yeah, cool. Like I'll I'll the the time of year where I don't watch a lot of hockey is right around like Christmas, New Year's, that time January-ish. But October, November, when the season's getting started and it's fresh and it's fun, I'm watching hockey, so there's going to be hockey to compete with. There's going to be basketball. I don't like watching basketball. I don't like watching pro basketball, but you've got basketball. You've got the NCAA. You've got a whole bunch of stuff going on. Disc golf is going to lose out every single time. I'm sorry. Champions Cup needs to go to April. It's kind of at that point in hockey and in basketball where it doesn't quite matter as much. Things could be getting crazy. Baseball just started, but not as many people are watching yet because baseball goes forever in a day. So uh, it's just, it's a bad time. And I'm hoping that the PDGA does what they've did before with Champions Cup where they're like, and next year it's at D-Glow. And we're like, yeah, no, bad idea. And don't worry, uh, your top four or top eight are going to play match play to figure it out. And we're like, wait, why are we going from stroke play to match play for a major? Why is this? Why is this? Why? 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 Don't do that. Don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. So now here's another time where I think they're going to be saying, we're all going to be saying, and I think we all are, don't be stupid. Just move it to a different course. Everybody's going to understand and then we'll be fine. It'll be good. It'll be great. It'll be grand. As some would say. No yelling on the bus. Please and thank you. Uh, finally, I believe the last topic is going to be the PDGA ads. That happened on Twitter. Uh, apparently, you can just pay the PDGA some money and they will endorse your product and they will shout out an ad for you. So I'm thinking about doing that. How does it sound if the PDGA puts out number one disc golf podcast around Joe's Disc Golf? How funny would that be? Because I've got the PDGA radio podcast that sometimes does stuff. Like I'm one to talk. It's been three months. Sorry. Sorry. But anyway, you've got that. Uh, it, it, it just it did not go over very well. Let's just say that. Most of the people were roasting it. Andrew Fish. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, let's see if I can pull up those tweets there and quote what he said because it was quite spicy. He he let them know that he wants answers. And it to my knowledge, he does not, he has not gotten any. Um, he's not gotten any answers here. So let's see this thread. So this is the original tweet post, whatever, discover how you can revolutionize your, how you organize, store, and display your passion with Touch Disc Golf at the link below. This is from the PDGA, hashtag disc golf, hashtag ad, and then pdga.com slash news, and it went from there. Andrew Fish, uh, great follow, trust me, trust me. Why the F are you accepting sponsored posts, PDGA? I'm not effing kidding. I want a serious public answer to this. I want to make it abundantly clear that my position is that the PDGA should make no favorites of manufacturers of various disc golf adjacent equipment. 
The PDGA has hosted ads on its website for several years, and I think that's deeply a deeply flawed practice as well. The PDGA is a member-driven organization that often tolerates conflicts of interest among highly placed board members, staffers, TDs, and other interested parties. I'm not condoning those prior silence. I am not condoning those by prior silence or inaction, but deliberately making a sponsored post on behalf of a new entity in disc golf is deeply problematic. First, it promotes the appearance of the PDGA needing to accept sponsors or donations on top of various membership dues. Second, disclosure of operating budget and other funds being held is required as a non-for-profit organization. Third, promoting this product and company for a a for-profit entity invites other entities to influence the perception of the PDGA and its membership followers by paying for ads as well. I think it's unbecoming to endorse a for-profit entity that is capitalizing on disc golf, particularly as the PDGA has gradually but consistently ceded institutional control of disc golf, elite tours, media, and other platforms. Ultimately, it gives me less confidence that nominally objective uh, procedures such as discs and basket approvals, awards of majors, scheduling A-tiers, and other normal operations are not subject to being bought as well. Finally, I would like to know who signed off on approving this post on the PDGA website and put the PDGA various social media channels so that I can regard all of them all of their future decisions with commensurate suspicion. Wow. Woo. That was epic. And on top of that, Brody invited him on to the Tour Life podcast, which I would love, absolutely love to see that. That would be absolutely amazing. Uh, if you're going to sponsor, Jake says, if you're going to sponsor, at least take them from outside of disc golf. I guess Squatch or Grip can be official sponsors of the PDGA. Yeah, um, uh, uh, Grip 6 is interesting because, yes, they do sponsorships in disc golf, but it's also weird because I see them sponsoring a lot of stuff. They make, I have a Grip 6 belt, and it's phenomenal. It's a great, it's probably one of the most comfortable belts I own outside of like my really fancy dress one which honestly i guess isn't you know it's not always appropriate to wear grip six belt to uh formal events especially when it says hand eye supply but you can get them blank you can get them everything it's like they've got really good stuff there <sighs> as for sponsorships with the pdga it's interesting because they do have ads in the disc golf magazine, which I just got today and read all the articles months ago. I don't know why they keep paying to send that crap out because I don't know too many people who actually read it, who haven't been on the PDGA website and have seen that. And if something really interesting happens that comes out quarterly, everybody's going to know about it way before that ever comes out. So there's that. As everything has gone on, like, it's just, you know, my dues haven't gone up. I appreciate that. But it also feels like you're taking the sponsorship and I get less for my dues that I pay. I used to get Udisc Pro for free through PDGA. That doesn't happen anymore. I used to get a better discount for our Disc Golf Network. I guess I technically that's the same Disc Golf Network has raised the price. To Fish's point about ceding control of the tour to the Disc Golf Pro Tour, a for-profit entity, uh, they're doing it better. They're doing it far better than the PDGA ever did. I don't know if that is a limitation of our mostly volunteer organization. I don't know if that is a limitation of the way the PDGA is currently structured or was structured at the time. Or if that's just incompetence, I, I, uh, you know, sprinkle in a little from A, B, and C, could be, could be all the above there. While I certainly have criticized the Disc Golf Pro Tour and the Disc Golf Network, I do believe that they are they ran the superior product and 
That's what we all flock towards, both the touring pros and the fans. It helps that the touring pros went there. It doesn't certainly doesn't hurt. But I think in that situation, it did work out for the better. As for this Touch Disc Golf thing, that's a company that was started like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe a month at best. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you take outside sponsorship so it doesn't look as bad. Non-disc golf entities, as Jake suggests, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a live tour versus PGA thing. DGPT is live and PDGA needs to play hardball. It could be. Uh, right now, the Disc Golf Pro Tour is the official tour of the PDGA. I'm assuming they sent some kind of multi-year, signed some kind of multi-year contract. I Yeah, it's tough. It's a tough one there. I understand that they need to make money, but it also feels like they don't break down their earnings that they're supposed to publish, whatever the breakdown of their finances is. I, I know it's some special name of something. Uh, accountants are probably yelling at me right now. Sorry. Sports medicine, not accounting. And disc golf commentary. But it's confusing as hell to read. And I don't know if that is intentional by the PDGA or... That's the format that the government wants you to do it in. I Honestly, 50-50, flip a coin, man. I don't know. It could be one, could be both. Uh, yes, under-delivering on the majors when elite events are professional looks bad. It does. And that's the thing is at least some of the chatter I hear from the pros is the majors, some of them feel special, USWDG, or USDGC being Winthrop and all that and the whole pomp and circumstance there. But it feels like there's not a big difference at all between an elite series event and a major for the most part. In some cases, to your point, the majors are a downgrade from a normal elite series. And with this whole new elite series plus, I'll be curious how this goes out. Uh, I, I do expect the, uh, the schedule for next year to come out uh, if they don't do any last minute tweaking because the PDGA is like, uh, 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 you guys, you guys help, 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 please. Jeff Spring, move it to WR, WR Jackson, please, 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 please. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a wild ride here. Wild, wild ride. USDGC is basically Innova's going out of business sale. Can't credit PD. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's it's definitely an of his thing. So yeah, never mind. Um, Worlds, US WDGC, European Open. Uh, European Open's a little different. I give him a little leeway there. But yeah, it's it's not great. We'll see how this goes. But I think overall. Uh, good show. Good, good first time back in, in three months. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. I've got to cut it off because it's a little late and the sun comes early. So thank you all for watching. As always, I've been Joe. You've been awesome. And I can't wait to talk to you all in the next podcast.